0: For the feast day of Christ the King, we read the epistle from the Apostle St. Paul to the Colossians. Brethren, giving thanks to God the Father, who hath made us worthy to be partakers of the lot of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the remission of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for in him were all things created in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominations or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and in him. And he is before all, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may hold the prime supremacy, because in him it hath well pleased the Father, that all fullness should dwell. And through him to reconcile all things unto himself, making peace through the blood of his cross, both us to the things on earth and the things that are in heaven, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Please stand for the Holy Gospel. Continuation of the Holy Gospel according to St. John. At that time, Pilate said to Jesus, are thou a king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or have others told it of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation, the chief priests, have delivered thee up to me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would certainly strive that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from from hence. Pilate therefore said to him, Are thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. For this was I born, and for this I came into the world, that I should give testimony to the truth. Everyone that is of the truth, heareth my voice. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Our Lady, seat of wisdom, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. My dear friends, today we celebrate a feast day that is most relevant and important for our times, our times where nations have apostatized of Christ and He seems rejected everywhere we go. And it is a feast day where we celebrate our Lord as our King, as the ruler of all the universe. This feast day has a very interesting story behind it. In the 1920s, Mexico, the Catholics were struggling against the newly established revolutionary government. This was straight out a communist government. And Catholics were desperate. They didn't know what to do. They were begging God for forgiveness, for grace, so that the country would not fall into the hands of communism. And they came up with an idea, they said, Let's build a statue, a shrine to the Sacred Heart of Jesus in the geographical center of Mexico in the highest elevation we can find in there. So they found this place. It was called Cubilete, the Hill of Cubilete. And in this place, they started building a monument. This monument was inaugurated on that same year, 1920, and it was a beautiful feast day. People from all over the country came over as a pilgrimage Many priests, many bishops were there and in there happened something that was the first of its kind in Catholic history. The people together with the priests made a proclamation, proclaiming Christ, Jesus Christ, as King of love and peace and the King of the country. Now, as I say, this has not been heard before, not that Mexicans invented the devotion to Christ the King. The devotion to Christ the King is in the liturgy and has been in the liturgy all throughout the history of the church. But what was new was this emphasis and this recognizing him publicly as the king of a nation. The man that donated the land was Jose Natividad Macias, and this man was expelled from the country shortly after as retaliation. The monument became more and more popular, more and more people came, more priests were interested in it, and so they decided to make it even bigger. And a few months later, with the motive of the 25th anniversary of the apparition of Our Lady of Guadalupe, a new monument was begun up in in that hill with a bigger statue. And the person who inaugurated the monument was none other than the Papal Nuncio himself, Monsignor Ernesto Filippi, who placed the first stone on February, 1923. This act also caused him to be expelled from the country by the Mexican government. Two years later, the Pope would see this devotion that started in Mexico and consider it very fitting for the whole of the world that had apostatized from Christ, that had rejected religion, and enacted the encyclical Quas Primas, by which he instituted the feast that we celebrate today, the feast of Christ the King. Now, my dear friends, if you want to know whether if what you're doing is good and pleasing to God, you need but to look at how much the devil hates it and how much the devil fights and battles against it. If the devil is fighting you strongly, and if he hates what you do, that means that what you're doing is very, very good. Using this principle, we can tell that this feast is incredibly annoying to the devil and very, very pleasing to God because the devil went furiously after those people that started uh, passing along this devotion. The people in Mexico, the first ones who, who proclaimed it, indeed had to suffer dearly for that. They paid with their lives. Now, that wasn't something bad. That was a blessing that they had, the blessing to be the first martyrs, the first saints, the first flowers gathered by Jesus Christ the King. One year after, only one year after that encyclical was sent by the Pope, Catholic persecution broke out in Mexico and the government started burning priests alive, started hanging people, hanging Catholics from the light posts. If you were found with a holy card, they would beat you up Or bring you to jail to be beat up to death. Catholics were shot by the side of the the walls of the church and the cathedral. To this day we have those memories in Mexico very much alive. That was how much the devil hated this feast. And then three years after the enacting of the typical 1928, the Catholics were gathered around this monument, the the Christ of the Cubilete, they call it now. They were gathered around in their devotions and they hear a plane, a military plane coming. Everybody starts running, getting out of the way. And they see that this plane comes and drops two two loads of dynamite on the statue, blowing it up to pieces. This was January 30th, 4 p.m., 1928. My dear friends, this history, this story that I'm telling you is a reflection also of what we read today in the gospel. And I want to use both to speak of two topics, two things that are very much engraved into this feast. And that would be the faith that the kingship of Christ requires from us and the hope that it gives us. Let me speak of the faith first. Think of what we read today in the gospel, how our Lord is in the midst of his passion, he is suffering, he has a black eye, his eye, his whole face, his whole back, everything is filled with wounds and blood and scars. And at that moment, he declares to Pilate that he is king. He says it at the moment where you would least believe him. He could have said it at the moment of the multiplication of the the bread, where all the people were acclaiming him as king. He didn't say it then. He could have said that he was king in Palm Sunday, when people were eager to follow him. He didn't. He could have said that he was king in the transfiguration when he was up in the hill looking like God, showing his divinity. No one would have doubted he was God. He didn't say it then. He chose the moment where he was most debased, most apparently defeated, most hurt, to declare, I am king. For this I have come to this world, to give testimony of the truth. I am king. My dear friends, we learned two lessons from this. The first one is that the instrument of glory, the instrument to gain our kingdom, because it is also our kingdom, is suffering. Jesus Christ said it during his passion to show us, this is my throne, the cross. And this is the weapon that I use to gain my kingdom, my sufferings. This is the door through which I go to glory. And this is the door through which all of us have to go. Suffering. It is not a bad thing. It is the door to make it to the kingdom. The door to make it to glory. Glory. It teaches us also, my dear friends, the value of faith, how much God loves for us to believe him. How important it is for us to believe him, even when the appearance seems otherwise. This is very fitting for us, if you think about it. Jesus Christ is the head of the church, but the church is its mystical body. And today we see the church as we would have seen Jesus Christ during his passion. We see the church crucified, rejected by everyone. Everyone hates it. We see it scourged, beaten, apparently defeated. But this is the moment where we are supposed to say Jesus Christ is King. And at this moment, my dear friends, every act of faith that you do, every moment where you believe in the Catholic Church, even against the appearances, even against the difficulties, your faith in this moment is worth gold as it would have been if you had believed in Jesus Christ as King at that moment where he appeared defeated. This teaches us also not to be discouraged when things look gloomy to us. There are times where as a faithful Catholic, you might suffer greatly. You might feel alone. You might feel rejected. You might feel like people don't understand you. You might have to struggle with many things if you want to be good and save your soul. But when you're suffering through those things, remember, this is the moment where I am the most close to my King, to my Lord Jesus Christ. This brings me to my second point. The second thing that I mentioned is how important it is for us to have hope in the kingdom of Christ, to have hope in the good things that are to come. And there is two things that I'd like to mention, risking the sermon making it a little bit longer. The first one is often as Catholics, you look at the world, you look at the news, you look at how bad things are, even in our own lives, and we might be tempted to say things are awful and they'll always be and there's no solution. And this feast reminds you that a day will come when Jesus Christ will come to this earth And he will reign in this earth over all peoples, over all nations, for all eternity in such a way that his kingdom will not be taken away. What a great consolation that is. The next time you're looking at the news, think to yourself, Christ will come and he will solve this. The next time you have to suffer injustice, think to yourself, Christ will come and he will solve this. He will solve it all. But there is one point that I want to emphasize a little bit more. And that is the point of our hope. As Catholics, it is true that it would be best for us if we love God without thinking of the reward. It would be the best, the most perfect thing to love God, whether if there is hell or not, whether if there's heaven or not, just because of how good he is, how, how much he deserves to be loved. But my dear friends, God is wise and he knows us. And in his wisdom, he has given us a reward and shown it to us so that we move forward as an incentive. And today, as we think of Christ's kingdom, I would like you to think of that reward that you will gain someday. Don't think that this is foreign to to Christ's teaching. Christ himself said in the apocalypse, I come swiftly and my reward comes with me to give to each according to his works. The point that I want to make is this, nothing that you do in your life, not even the slightest thing, it's unnoticed by God. Every single thing that you do, the, the, most, the smallest thing that you do for God is recorded and you will gain a reward a thousand times worth more. I was thinking about this, and this is true. God keeps more count, better count, you could say, of your virtues and the good acts that you practice than of your sins. And I'll prove it to you. Your acts of virtue, when you sin, they amount for nothing if you commit a mortal sin. But if you go to confession, those acts of virtue are returned to you. God keeps count of those even after he's forgiven your sins. The opposite is not true. Your sins, when they are forgiven, they are forgiven forever. And God doesn't keep count of that anymore. God keeps perfect count of every single good thing that you do, my dear friends, every single one of them. For each one of them, you will get a reward. If you as a mother, you have to wake up in the morning and strive to make food for your children and struggle with the bad mood of your husband, perhaps today, or maybe deal with some very big depression and difficulties, and you get up, you do your duties, you smile to your husband, you do your chores. Each and every single one of those moments, every ounce of salt that you poured in that breakfast, Every little part of that smile that you made to your husband, all of those are recorded, engraved in the book of life and you will get a reward. And if you as a husband, you had to wake up in that morning and maybe deal with the bad humor or temper of your wife or some comment made disrespectfully or out of place, or maybe with something in your house that really bugs you and, and makes you lose your patience, but you struggle through that and you go to work and you strive to be a good husband, a good, a good father. God is gonna take care of each one of those things, each one of them. All of those are recorded in the book of life. Every thought that you had to stop, every word that you kept in your mouth, all of those things, you will get a reward for them. If you was a child, perhaps you had to face your dad or your mom and they gave you a hard time, but you kept your peace and you were respectful and you were obedient, Every single hour, every single minute, every single day, every month, every week, every year, all of those things are recorded. For all of them, you will get a reward when Jesus Christ, our King, comes back. Look then, my dear friends, for that reward and don't give up when things get difficult. Let us practice these virtues that I speak of. The virtue of faith, even if things look gloomy, even if things like, seem to you like they make no sense, even if your prayers seem unanswered, even if you're tired, keep plowing forward ahead, knowing that the kingdom will come for you too. And knowing that every single thing, hoping with hope, that every single thing will be rewarded. I did not finish the story of the monument, Satan did not win. The monument was destroyed, yes. Catholics took the rocks, and with those rocks, they built a new chapel in the same place. Twenty years later, the persecution ended, and the church was revived, and a bigger monument was built with a larger statue. The past one was made of stone, this one was made of metal. This one was way bigger, 20 meters high, and it was way heavier, 80 tons of weight. And that statue stands still today as a center of pilgrimage and the triumph of Christ the King on Mexico and a symbol of his triumph throughout the world. So, my dear friends, Christ Christ always succeeds. He always triumphs. I'll have to make one last note before I end the sermon. What if I am not good? What if I haven't deserved this reward? What if I've sinned? And perhaps I dropped my cross and I'm not there with Christ in his kingdom. Well, my dear friends, today, the church also tells you to cheer up. Our king is not back yet. He will come back. He will give to each according to his works, but he's not back yet. And so we still have time to repent. You still have time to go to the confessional and have your sins forgiven. You still have time to take up that cross that you dropped. Perhaps you still have time to practice those acts of virtue that you can practice in your state of life, and gain as many rewards as you can so that you can collect them when Christ comes back in his kingdom, as the preface tells us today, a kingdom of peace, of truth, of justice, and of love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.